An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Climbing in Heels. This show is all about celebrating extraordinary superwomen who will be sharing their incredible journeys to the top, all while staying glamorous. Today with me, we have writer, performer, and entrepreneur, Erin Foster on the pod. You may remember her sister, Sarah, who was on a few weeks back. And in this episode, Erin talks about trying on different identities throughout her 20s and not knowing who she truly was at that age until really much more recently. But now, clearly, Erin feels more comfortable in herself than ever before and is so proud of all that she's accomplishing. And I've been lucky enough to watch a big part of her journey and I'm pretty sure I'm the number one fan of Erin Foster and always have been and will continue to be. And I cannot wait to see what she does next because she's living her dreams. I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode. Honestly, it was such a good conversation. One of my favorite things about Erin is she's a straight shooter. She absolutely is just incredibly self-aware. And, you know, and I think she's very candid about her feelings about herself, her journey. She's very humble. And again, I think it's important to note that, you know, some of the guests I've had on the podcast have admittedly grown up in privilege. And I just want to really point out that that doesn't mean it makes the ride easier. It really doesn't, not for everybody. And I think that we're all human and we all have very real human challenges and insecurities. And I think, you know, Aaron speaks very openly about that. And I think it'll be very helpful for a lot of you to learn that despite sort of the splashy sort of images that you may have of people, that they are very real people with very real life, you know, challenges and victories and triumphs. But Erin is incredible. She's very impressive and very real. So I love this one. I always like to start a little bit because obviously I've known you for a bajillion years, it feels like, but like what kind of what kind of kid was Aaron Foster? Like, were you like quirky and weird and outgoing or like super shy and awkward and didn't want to go to school or like who were you? Are you the same? Are you different? Are you? I think I'm different, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I was very like I really needed a lot of attention. I was really like the funny kid in class and like always acting out. I did very badly in school. I really hated school. Me too. I just felt like you did? Yeah. I would think of you as like a good student. I, w- I was good and I was well-behaved and I was all the things, but I, I didn't like being a student at all. I would have started working yeah. at like 12 if I could have. 
Right. Yeah. You were just very like entrepreneurial. I think I was just not great at following the rules and I didn't want, it didn't feel like I learned the same way that other kids were learning. And so I would get really frustrated. And so I would like act out and I, I was always like rebelling against things. I was always just pushing back on so many things. And I wasn't ever just like calm the hell down and just like, you know, enjoy being a kid. I was Mm -hmm. just always like fighting something. And so I was then like a really frustrated teenager and, you know, growing up in a big, complicated family, it kind of added to a lot of my angst. Of course. Because I didn't know like, what's my position? Like I really wanted to stand out. And that was really a big part of me. Like when I first met you, like dyeing my hair red and dyeing my hair black and having all these identities that I was trying on Mm -hmm. because I was just so scared of being like forgettable or not interesting. And so I was always trying to make like a big statement and it just wasn't very authentic to me. Okay. Okay. You know, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. Okay. Cause now I like, cause now I think about it in hindsight and then it was just sort of like, what is Aaron doing? Like to me, (laughs) I was like, it was sort of, you were clearly like having identity, like who yeah. do I want to be? I'm trying to figure myself out. And I, I think we all do that. But I think it was this funny thing where I was just, I remember when you went back to like blonde and it was, mm-hmm. it was this huge thing where I was like, huh? Okay. I was like, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it was almost like, not like she found herself, but like, I think this is like, she's done like a, like a circle. Yeah, like I finally like gave up the shit. <laughs> yeah. I think I was just so didn't want to be a blonde girl in LA yeah. that felt so basic to yeah. me. And it yep. felt like there are so many girls like that. I'll never stand out. Yep. Like I won't be special. So yep. I have to do something outside the box. Yep. And so I was always trying to create an identity for myself. I think that your twenties is a lot about that yeah. for a lot of people. For sure. Um, mine was just maybe more like external and obvious for people to see, but I think people, especially women are really trying on a lot of different identities in the twenties. And then sometimes you take an identity on because of a relationship. And I did plenty of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, as an adult now sitting here at 40 years old, I'm like, you know, it's still kind of uncomfortable for me to like forgive myself for being so like immature about that for so long. And so not knowing who I was for so long, I wish I had just like taken a deep breath and accepted myself for who I was and settled into it sooner because it's just sort of like lost time in some ways. Yeah. I understand that. I do. I understand that. I know, but you know, then, but don't you in a way feel like I feel more and more, and I, I feel like it's really helped me a little bit. I feel like every single chapter, it was almost like this, it's like laying brick. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like you laid so many bricks to actually get to the place you're in now, which in my opinion is like this epic place professionally, personally, but yes, like it was a road. I mean, I've seen the road. Yeah. It was, it was a road, yeah. but I feel like that yeah. road, but think about it the other way. What if you did figure that out? Right. Like a lot of people do. And then all this stuff happened mm-hmm. younger. You might be upside down and backwards now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> life is long in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, it can be short, but it can also be long. And so I do think that, um, you know, however windy the path is that gets you to where you need to go, you just have to be moving in a forward direction, even if it's very slowly, you have to be moving in some type of forward direction. And I do think that it's really easy to blame a lot of different external factors. You can blame bad boyfriends or bad bosses or lack of opportunity, family for sure. 
bad friends. Like you can blame a lot of things, pressures and stuff, but really and truly you have to take responsibility for yourself yeah. because otherwise you're the victim. It doesn't matter. You can't be a victim. Like no. it, you could have toxic family. You could have toxic friends. You could have bad opportunities, shitty bosses. You could have bad boyfriends. Absolutely. But like at the end of the day, you are responsible for yourself. Yeah. And so you have to either take yourself out of those situations or cut off the family relationships that are toxic for you or change your expectations of them. But you can't let it like sink you to the bottom and then blame everybody. Because even if you're right, it doesn't get you anywhere. No. So it took sure. me a long time for me to stop blaming other people and other things. Because I wanted to have like, an excuse, you know, well, it's not my fault. I'm this way. It's this person's fault or that person's fault or this bad relationship. But like, you know, I was the one picking those people and I was the one, you know, getting myself in those situations. So even if it's not like, it's not about blaming yourself. I think it's just sort of some point you have to take yourself out of that rotation. Yeah. Well, it's polarizing and it, and it ultimately like trips you up. Right. I always say the biggest obstacle in my life has always been me. And I think a lot of times to your point, you're just tripping over yourself, right? We're in our heads. And it, listen, in all fairness, all of those things do influence your behavior and how it impacts you and the decisions you make in your life, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. a tough family, whether it's friends, boyfriends, whatever it is. But I do think that all of those things, while brutal at times, they do help shape you because ultimately it's your reaction to these things, which is what you're saying. It's how you actually choose to deal with things, right? And it was interesting because Tina Turner just said something like that because she obviously came out of like one of the most tumultuous mm-hmm. situations and, and came out very much on top and happy. And what she said is like for every bad situation, you can sort of take, you can let it take you down, right? But it's really how you choose to become positive in that moment and make a positive out of it and how you react positively to that situation. And that really hit me because I think to your point, otherwise we're just a victim our entire lives mm-hmm. of situations. And even if you are a victim, right? Like she was a victim yeah, of literally. violence, right? <laughs> so even if you are a victim, looking at yourself as a victim and playing the victim card, like where does it get you? It doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> exactly. it, it can get you sympathy from people. Exactly. Absolutely. But like, it doesn't really take you anywhere. Mm-mm. So you can do it. You can have, my mom used to kind of always say like, I would allow myself like a little pity party for like one day. And then I get back out of bed and I start over again. Yeah. Cause what else are you going to do? We don't have a choice, you know? Well, you do. And I think that choice, once you sort of, to your point for you later in life, I mean, listen, I think for me later in life, I got to that point where I'm like, uh, -uh." like these toxic people, no, 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 no. I'm just going to keep going. Right. And so for you, you know, I feel like you've made so many kind of like transitions. To me, you've always been the same person, right? Like to me, you've always been the same person. You've always been this straight shooter, very courageous. I don't feel like you've ever followed like society norm. That's not your thing at all. I felt like when everyone was like running around trying to like spend every diamond dollar on like an Hermes bag, you were like, Nope, I'm cool with anthropology. Like, (laughs) you know, or like whatever it was, you're like, I got this at anthropology on sale. It was 1799 and you looked cooler than everyone in the room. So like, I just think to me, you've actually always stayed your most authentic self. And thank you. what I really think is like, it's not shocking to me that you become such a successful, like 
writer and it, you have so much to say about so many things. Let's be real. <laughs> I have so many things to say. <laughs> so many things to say. But so, okay, so let's just take you from student for a second. So you go through school. You obviously went through like high school and everything. Did you go to college or no? No. Okay. Did you have any, and I talk about this on the podcast because I am a firm believer that education in no way defines us at all. In fact, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say 80% of the women that I've had on the podcast have not gone to college. Some didn't graduate high school. So I don't care either way. I just, I say it because I think it doesn't have any bearing on your future unless you, unless you choose to have that as a thing on your future. And I think some women I've spoken to, it was like this chip for them throughout their adult life. And some were like, never even thought about it. Never even looked back. So like you I knew know. you weren't a student. So you knew you weren't going to go to college. So then what happened? Cause your dad is not the person that's going to be like, okay, well come live with me. I'm going to support you for the next 20 years. So mm, no, <laughs> definitely not. I really just, I got a job right out, out of school at, got a job at Warner brothers records. Nice. Really random. I didn't know fully what I wanted to do. So I was like, maybe I want to be in the music business. Um, maybe I want to be an actress. Maybe I want to be, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. So I figured out, I, after like two years, I didn't want to be in the music business. It wasn't for me. And then I wanted to be an actress for a while. And honestly, like I spent a lot of time trying to be an actress and it really wasn't something that felt like it was like myself. Mm -hmm. And so that wasn't like the most productive time throughout my twenties okay. trying to chase that thing. And it wasn't until I really figured out my, my side, my writing side that I really decided, Oh, this is something that's right for me. So that was probably around like 26, 27. I started like blogging when that was a thing and mm-hmm. started cultivating what voice I had. And that's when I started being really honest and open about things I was thinking, feeling, seeing. And that's when I kind of noticed people being uncomfortable at how honest I wanted to be about things yeah, and telling me to stop, you know, like this is weird. Don't overshare that stuff. Like that's too personal. And this is before the internet was what it is today. So you didn't really have these like outlets for people. You didn't see every person's, you know, inner waking dying thought. No, they only showed the glossy highlights on anything. There was no personal demystifying anything. Exactly. (laughs) So the idea that I was being open about things on a blog was like very bizarre to some people. And so that was sort of a turning point where I thought, okay, I can either get embarrassed and like shut down and go along with what people are telling me to do, Mm -hmm. or I can do the thing that feels genuine to me and write about this rejection or write about this insecurity or this, you know, whatever the thing would be. Yes. And that's when I started getting traction. Like that's when I started seeing, oh, a lot of people are sharing this article and like a lot of people are referencing this thing and people are relating to it. And I'm getting, you know, emails from women. Yeah. And that's when I kind of noticed like, oh, I think that is something I always thought was a flaw of mine might actually be like a powerful thing that I have. And so that's when I started trusting my instincts a lot more and it just changed everything. Well, it's funny because when you say that, like you weren't a good student and you hated school and yet here you are as a writer, which is kind Mm -hmm. of ironic because writing in my opinion is actually very difficult and, and writing is, is, and, and I know that because I, I actually lived with a writer um, when I was Ooh. in college, yeah, my friends, well, do you know Brian Burns? He's, he's, uh, yes. yeah. 
So Brian and I lived together in college because he was dating my roommate and we're still super, super close friends. Um, uh-huh. and Wait, isn't he married to Christy Turlington Yeah, now? he's married to okay. Kelly, Christy's sister. And, and Ed oh, Burns is yes, married. Yes, Ed yes. is married to Christy and Brian is married to Kelly, her okay, sister. Yeah. And I kind of saw the life of a writer, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's not easy, but, no, but it's, it's true. It, it is, mm-hmm. but it's, incredibly cerebral. It's incredibly like, cause I actually love writing, but I could never be a writer because you have to write. Right. And there's no like, Oh, blocked, like, blah. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I think it's a really tremendous gift and talent to be able to write. And especially for film or television, because it's like, you're not just writing for like you to say things you're mm-hmm. writing for people, other people that you like, no, don't know. But it's, it's a wild concept. And I think I want to go back to one thing because you, you thought you said as a child, you needed a lot of attention. It's funny. Cause I don't think of you as like this big attention mm. person, but you tried to be an actor that did not feel organic to you. No. And like, so then you flipped into being a writer. And the reason I go to that is because one is so in front and one is so in mm-hmm. back. Right. I personally like love you as both, to be honest, totally unbiased, but just because, you know, Barely Famous was maybe the funniest show ever on television that should still be Mm -hmm. on. But I think my question is, are you more comfortable being behind than in front? Like, where do you feel is like natural to you, organic to you? I definitely feel more comfortable behind. You do. But when we did Barely Famous, I felt comfortable in front also because I was in so much control that I was able to control what we were doing sure. and, and, you know, we were, I was writing it, you right. know, with Sarah. So yeah. we were able to like decide the stories we were telling and, and it was really fun, but you know, it's like when Sarah and I do photo shoots for favorite daughter, I have so much anxiety. Like, oh my I don't God. enjoy yeah, that I can tell. anymore at I all. Can tell. Yeah. I, can tell. I don't like it. And I so tell. I really do prefer being in the background and it's not like I am, I'm really comfortable, like public speaking yeah, and yeah. going up in, at an event or something. It's just, I don't like that pressure sure. to feel like young and hot and skinny all the time. Yeah. I don't like that pressure. And it is, right? It's just I mean, and it stressful. is. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. 100%. So 100%. I'd much rather walk into a room as a writer and feel no pressure and someone be like, oh my God, you look so cute and be surprised by it. <laughs> I think that makes a ton of sense. And, I, and by the way, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm way more comfortable behind. Okay. So let's go back to like dating for a second. Cause I mean, you married probably my favorite guy out there besides my own. Yeah. And even maybe sometimes mm-hmm. I love Simon more than I love Robert, but, <laughs> but, but I think for all the like funny to, and I say funny, cause I know that's just lightning something that for you is very long and arduous, the dating process mm-hmm. and the whole thing. But like So all of a sudden you're this happily married, converted to Judaism, living like, I mean, as you said, like he's your person, right? And he really is just gold jackpot. And so I feel like in my opinion, totally like unbiased, totally worth the wait. And, um, but like at any point, did you have, have you ever had that moment where you woke up and said, oh my God, like it's just like, like all of a sudden I'm just like this married person, like sitting at home. And like, did you ever like have an identity crisis sort of post marriage or were you just so ready that you were like, this is, I'm happiest. Like, you know what I mean? How many, how does that work? No, I think, well, it's so 
funny. Like, I still can't believe I'm married sometimes. Right. Like, Simon and I still look at each other and we're like, we're too young to be married yeah. and we're really old. It's ironic. But, uh, because I'm sure everyone feels that way. You know, Simon and I both freaked out right after we got married yeah. on our honeymoon. Yeah. We fully, like, I, I had like a panic attack. Yeah. And I don't know what it was because it was like, I think you're really sleep deprived. <laughs> And there's so much stress, there's so much pressure. And then all of a sudden, like the pressure yeah. like valve gets released and, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, this is supposed to be the most romantic trip of our entire lives. Like we should be insatiable for each other yeah, and course. we should be like obsessed and just like eating fruit off each other's naked bodies. And like, it just, <laughs> there's this pressure for it to be like the most perfect trip of all time. And, you know, we got there and we were tired and there was like family drama after our wedding. And it was like, we were exhausted and, and like something got lost and the weather was bad. And I was just like, wait, is this like not what it's supposed to be like? Are we not happy? Like, do we not love each other? I, I had a full panic attack and then I slept for like 18 hours right? and we woke up and we were like, okay, I think we're okay. (laughs) Um, and you had like a letdown basically. Yeah, I think, and I had really tried not to make myself focus on a wedding instead of a marriage because I think that happens to a lot of people. Of course, it you, does. You're obsessed with your wedding, of course, and then the day's over, and you're like, "Now do I look? What do I look forward to?" Sure. But the truth is, and I think that it really feels like you and Roger are really good at this, is that like the most exciting thing about marriage are not the big moments. No. You know, it's all the small moments. Hundred watching TV alone together in bed yes. and like laughing about something, you know, on the phone together and wanting to be together and going to bed at night and knowing exactly what kind of like position you both like to like fall asleep in and being like, this is the pillow you like and caring about each other. And like someone stopping and getting the other one, the coffee that they know they like, or like, it's the things that just make you feel like, Oh, I have a partner. Yep. It's that's the best stuff. It's just being well suited for each other. And like, I think that for me, it's the domestic bliss yeah. that I'm in that is so like simple and clean uh-huh. that is the most exciting to me because I never thought that I was going to have that. So funny. like you're in a marriage with someone you guys don't fight. You like each other. You're sweet to each other. You're kind. You make pancakes on the weekends in the morning. He's appreciative of you. Like that's the dream. Yeah. That's all anybody wants. When someone is just exceptionally good at what they do, it could be a waiter, a chef, a stylist, or a doctor. You know you're in good hands. When you find the right doctor, you can feel it. You feel heard and you feel at ease. So many times at a doctor's office, I have felt so rushed or like they genuinely were not taking the time to even hear my concerns. It shouldn't be too much to ask to be the center of attention at your very own doctor's appointment. On ZocDoc, finding the doctor that's right for you is seamless. The quality care you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't even met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Zoe and download ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. 
Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Zoe. Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Zoe. It's, it's so funny. I'm like you're still right. shook that I have that. But you're, it, you're right though. You're, you're very right about that because it's funny. Roger, you know, he, you know, a couple of times a year, he gets me these like beautiful gifts and all these things. And really like the fact that he gets up and goes to Starbucks at six and is back by 625 and then takes the kids to school at 715. I'm like, what you don't understand is this is everything. Like the fact that yeah. I'm literally too, like, one eye open and you just handed me this like venti Starbucks and it's mm-hmm. 615. I'm like, you don't understand that that's more meaningful than anything right now. And so, and I, and exactly. I mean it, I really do mean it because I don't know for me to, to watch you in this and sort of having this life and also being able to do what you love, you just seem very at peace. And I think that like, Thank you. I, I think for me, just as your friend, it's very obvious to me that like, okay, so it didn't happen at 25, but I mean, I I don't think it happened. Like, yes, I chose my career very early, but like, I don't know that I found peace until I was Mm. your age or more. I mean, you know, I don't, peace is like a, it's a, that's a hard thing to find. Honestly. Um, you can find success, but that doesn't mean you find peace. If that makes sense. No, (laughs) I think we also like, we're always looking at what else somebody else is doing and mm-hmm. thinking, oh shit, maybe I should be doing a little Toxic. bit more of that or maybe I should be a little bit more of this. And it really gets in your head. And I really don't believe that the same recipe works for the for everybody. For you no know, one. everyone is a different, yeah, there's a different <laughs> formula for everyone's happiness. But I do think there's like some main factors in peace of mind and happiness that sort of runs throughout humanity. And I don't think that it's money and fame <laughs> and success. No. I think those things strip you of it. Uh, a thousand um, percent, yes. I would agree with that. Yeah, and this town especially. It's something that you do. You yeah. know, you want people to think you're good at something and like respect that you do a good job at it and look up to you or be able to mentor someone. And obviously being able to sustain a life for yourself and support your family on something that you enjoy doing is extremely fulfilling and makes you feel independent as a person. And you've been doing that since you're so young. And for me, more like when I started in my 30s, I was able to actually like support myself properly. Yeah. And so that feels fulfilling, but I don't need to be a billionaire to feel like I made it. Like, I don't need that. It's very exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) When do you get to stop? You don't. When do you get to stop and just be like, okay, I I did some great things and now I'm going to enjoy my life. Like I don't have an obsession with success. I want to be successful, but I don't have an obsession that it needs to get to a, to like a insane place. That's okay. So that's super interesting. I want to talk about that because I think there's this huge like umbrella of success and what it means to people. And I have, as I'm sure you do. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. 
Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. Countless people in our lives who already worth billions and they keep starting new things, going on these big public endeavors, like do da There's a huge prominent figure right now that's launching a hair care line and like Godspeed, I think that's great, but it's clearly going to take down probably like 50 of the best smaller businesses that are inarguably succeeding. And I literally had this reaction to it, even though it shouldn't affect me one way or another. I was Mm -hmm. like, can't you leave some stuff to like the little people? Like, can't you like, don't you realize? I like it when things piss you off because nothing ever pisses you (laughs) off. So I really like something making me mad because everything makes me mad and nothing makes me mad. Things make me mad. Things make me mad. I, I get mad about like injustice in things. I do. I get not to sound like a martyr. I just get really pissed off about things that are seemingly very easy to sort of do the right thing. And people just don't a lot of the time that sort of pisses me off. And sometimes I feel I have to get louder about things like that. But I like what you're saying, because I think that where I think anyone would perceive you as being very successful and at the top in many ways, right? And I'm sure that you don't sit there thinking that about yourself. I don't think most people no. do. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you're basically saying, okay, if I am doing what I love and I do some great work, right? I'm super mm-hmm. happy. Like I'm going to keep doing things that excite me, right? You're going to keep doing great, mm-hmm. taking great opportunities, collaborations, but you don't like go to sleep at night. Like 
I need to have this. I need to have this house. I need to make a billion dollars. I need to like, when is it enough? Right. Because I think in my opinion, that's extremely toxic. And I, and I see a lot of that here. So how'd you get to that place where you're like, okay, I'm happy doing what I love. Granted, there's a writer's strike right now, which, you know, we'll get yeah. into later, but, but. Which is why I'm able to do this. Right. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I think, I think that's an important thing to talk about because I think the top is such a mystery, right? Cause it's, it means something different yeah. to everybody, which is why the word I mean, kind of scares me a little. <laughs> growing up in LA and seeing so many people at the top mm-hmm. who aren't happy yeah, you know, had yeah. a big effect on me. I think watching that thing and that, like, when you get that infectious bug of success mm-hmm. or fame, notoriety, I think that it it really becomes this like endless loop that yeah. you can't get out of. Yeah, and I don't know a lot of people who have all the things that they want who feel like they have all the things that they want, Agreed. right? Like we just I don't agree. know a lot of those people. And, and so I think that the marriages that we admire mm-hmm. are not the person who's married to like the billionaire. We're, we're, we're envious of the person who's married to someone that makes them happy sure. and that they laugh with and yes. who they're well suited for. Like those are the relationships we admire. Like yep. the parent child relationships we admire are the ones who have like a parent who gets them and who they want to be around. <laughs> not the parent that like flies them private, you know? So I think if you just look at that formula, you just can clearly see those are not the elements that we're supposed to be drawing into our lives. And like, Mm -hmm. I really believe that I really have like an abundance mentality and it's not intentional. I just feel like kind of like lucky to be here all the time Uh because I always felt like I was like the the underdog when I was mm-hmm. growing up. And uh-huh. so the fact that I have a seat at any table, I'm kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like that I'm like included in this or invited in this. Yeah. So to me, making any money feels like a huge win. And I feel like I always will make money and will make enough money because yeah. I think I could be happy yeah. kind of at any stage that I mm-hmm. needed to be at. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, you know, Simon started his own company three years ago in COVID and it took time for it to like take off. And I you know, I knew that there was like friends of mine who might be like, what does he do? What is he doing? I don't really understand what it is. And all I cared about was like, is he happy? Sure. Like I see this thing in him that is, that has a goal in mind yep. and he is like driven and he is like excited by it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is exactly what you want in your partner. Yeah, and so, you know, that's all you, that's all you want. Sure. And so now the his company is doing so well and it makes me so happy that it's doing so well, but it's more like the feeling of seeing him come home every day, knowing he like worked his ass off, yeah. like did right by the people who work for him. Like, you know, that his, his, the success follows that. Yep. It just feels good to see that. So I think that hopefully your, your values can get in line with like, okay, somebody said this thing. I think it was, um, Rabbi Leader said this too. He came into the writer's room and talked to us. He said that um, a person is a person who is unhappy is when their perceived values and their lived values are really far apart. Yeah. So you say, all I care about is family and my friends, but what you actually do <laughs> is you like go after yes. whatever, celebrities, fame, money, whatever it is. Yes. Um, 
So it's like live in line with the thing that you say you care about. Uh -huh. That's when you're going to be the happiest. Be your authentic self. And that's what I, to be honest, that's what I always say about you and Sarah the most is that you guys are exactly who you are. You are so honest about who you are. Um, and you're so different. I mean, you are so, so you are so different. Um, you're so different. And I think, I think there's just something very unique about you. And I think people are drawn to you because there is this authenticity about you, to be honest. I don't think you've ever been one to like pretend to like somebody. I don't think you've ever, I think it's pretty clear when you don't. And, um, yeah, and I, 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 I do. And I think, and you're the middle, right? I'm the middle. You're yeah. middle, right? So, I mean, look, that's hard too, right? I mean, yeah, I think being in the middle almost kind of forces you into that position yeah, because does. you don't have a role, right? right? You don't have a clearly defined, like who you are in the scenario. So you have to get comfortable being that like in between thing. And so, I mean, you know, like you and I being friends when I first met you, Sarah and you had known each other for a while. Yep. And I was like her, you know, like loser little sister coming in and not everyone was very welcoming to me. Because listen, everyone in that crew, you guys were always, you you were like at the peak, peak of like, you were like created stylists who became famous. Like nobody had known even like what a stylist was before. So you were like killing the game. Everyone in that friend circle was like so relevant and so cool. And Sarah was always so effortlessly cool. And then she started bringing me around these friends and I was like so intimidated that I just like shut down. I just didn't know like who I was yet. and so. Not everyone wanted to be stuck sitting next to me at a dinner table. And you were always so kind and welcoming and never judgmental. You always acted like my big sister, like I love always you. warm. <laughs> but, you, but listen, not everyone was like that. But because you were very authentic to who you were. And even though you and I had like opposite things that we were focused on in terms of like, I'm showing up in anthropology and you're like wearing the coolest bag, <laughs> you know, and you always have like your hair done and like your sunglasses. And I'm like, you know, dressed like some like goth <laughs> punk kid, but I'm having I think such we, a memory visual right but, now. It's so awesome. Okay. Right? Yes. And you wouldn't but take like, the elevator never, <laughs> and I wouldn't take the elevator because I was really claustrophobic, <laughs> but, but, but you never like judged me for not being how you are. And I never judged you for not being no. how I am because you were really confident and comfortable in like your choices. You're like, I'm going to wear a maxi dress to this oh, yeah. with big sunglasses 100. and my bangles. Yes. And this is who I am. This is how I feel good is like wearing platform high heels. And I would be like, I don't know how to feel comfortable that way. So I'm going to wear my Converse <laughs> and I'm going to wear whatever, a bandana in my hair. And I think that um, having people around you who just let you be yourself, like yeah. you don't have to have the same style or the same interest to get along with someone and respect each other. No, in fact, I actually find, I actually really find that it's better the other way. I think that's why siblings work. You know what I mean? Okay. I think that's why siblings work because you complement each other. You can't be exactly the same. And I always say that, especially with girls, it's like, my sister and I are total opposites, but mm -hmm. we, but we're inseparable, right? I think yeah. if we were more alike, I think that would be a problem. And so yeah. I actually think that's what works the best because it's like, you do you, I'll do me. Right. And then we just meet in our happy place together. Mm -hmm. But I, but I think as it pertains to like your working life, like, how do you feel? Like, do you feel right now that you're exactly where you dreamed you 
could be, could ever be, and like want to be. Cause I'm, I'm sort of reading all this stuff on like deadline and I'm like seeing Aaron Foster, like splashing across all the trades. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the sickest thing ever. Are you just like pinch me? I'm dreaming. Are you like, this is my place. This is my calling. This is my, cause then I want to talk about favorite daughter for a second. So, so it, like, is it feels like it's my calling for yes. sure. And it definitely feels like it's my dream, but it's hard. I also, it's really hard. <laughs> and so sometimes it doesn't come naturally to me. And then other times it does. And I go, Oh, I'm really made to do this. And yeah. then, you know, there are times I'm not as being not, it doesn't come as naturally to me. And I go, oh, fuck, am I making a mistake or am I a fraud? I'm not really supposed <laughs> to be doing this. Um, but I think it's also, I'm leaving room for it to not work out too. Like I sure. am in this place where I have this amazing opportunity with this TV show that I'm making at Netflix and Kristen Bell playing me. It's like, she's such an A-list star and it feels so cool. But then it's like, obviously I don't want this to happen, but what if it doesn't work? The show, what if it doesn't work? Sure. Right. What if, it, what if it fails? Not everything is a hit. Nope. And what if it does really well, but people make fun of it or don't think it's funny or who knows, like anything could sure. happen. And so you're opening I, it up. Like this yes, is an I'm open not, platform. People are going to judge I you can't for sure. Attach my happiness to its success Smart. because I, I can only control so much of it. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to enjoy this part of it where I'm actually in the position where I get to make the show. Yeah. And enjoy this process and love this process and do the best thing that I, the best that I can. But then also like, this is going to be a really important experience for me, regardless of the outcome. Sure. And I accept that. Such a Virgo. Such a Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just protecting myself. No, no. By the way, a hundred percent. I speak the same language. I always set myself up for total failure and disaster just so I'm prepared. Okay. And then, so how does this all, cause you, you know, you obviously still do a lot of like, Aaron Foster stuff, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm the talent, so to speak. I hate that word, but yeah. like still it's sort of like you still do that, which I think you're equally as great at. And it's fun. Cause you get to sort of like partner with different brands mm-hmm. and things like that. But let's talk about favorite daughter for a second, because favorite daughter obviously was born out of your deep love for fashion. No, it was, <laughs> it was born out of the fact that you guys wanted to make comfy, cozy, cute, yeah. functional clothes. And obviously favorite daughter could not be a more brilliant tag line ever brand name ever, because, you. you know, as a daughter of two, I'm, like, yeah, I'm the favorite, but it's taken off sort of like a rocket. I'm sure on the inside, it sort of feels like that and sort of doesn't because it's so much freaking work, but it's nice because all of you are involved. You, Sarah, mm-hmm. Jordan, Jordan, yeah. for those of you that don't know, Jordan is the, I don't want to say secret sister because I don't mm-hmm. think she's a secret at all. And she's brilliantly talented. She's a stylist, a creative director, all the things. Yeah. And the baby. <laughs> and and yeah. the baby of the family. But like, how is it to work with your sisters? Obviously, you've been working with Sarah for a while, but like, how is it to do this? And what's your kind of role in it? And are you kind of stepping back a little as you do your writing? I mean, listen, working in a family is hard. Sarah and I fight a lot. We disagree all the time. We have different ideas of how to put an outfit together or how, in a fitting, we're always fighting. But didn't but, you do that anyway before you started the brand? Yeah. Yeah. We, did. Yeah, we always fought before. Of course. Um, but it's still cool to be able to do this with your sister. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool that when we travel and for together. fair daughter, we go places, you're on an airplane together at 6 a.m. and yep. not by yourself. You know, it's nice. Yep. And it's so great having Jordan involved because she's so talented yeah. and I'm, I'm just as close to Jordan and she lives in New York. So we don't, you know, the fact that Sarah and I have always 
work together. It's so fun that we can do that now, Jordan. And Sarah and I never like set out to make a clothing brand. I mean, as I you know, that was like the farthest thing that we would be thinking farthest, about. Farthest, literally Ever. farthest, like farthest, that's the farthest. farthest, but that's, but that's it, how life is. Yeah. And I think, you know, it ended up being that we were, so favorite daughter ended up becoming the kind of thing that was perfect for us because it really is a brand for a girl who is not comfortable spending $1,200 on a pair of pants from the row. She's not doing that. Um, but she still wants to wear like really good, well-tailored put together clothes, but she doesn't want to spend that much money on it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a girl who doesn't want to shop fast fashion at Zara mm-hmm. and she doesn't, she can't shop at the row. So where, where is she going? There's yeah. a handful of brands in that middle um, area. And that's really what we, what we focused on is like, what would we buy? What do we want in our, in our closet? Mm-hmm. What are those staples that we can have that aren't like trend heavy, um, that will last a while, be good quality, um, and still be like a cool thing to wear to a girl's dinner. Mm-hmm. And so our girl is really supposed to be us. Right. And and I think it is. I mean, I think people are just living for favorite daughter. I mean, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I love wearing it. So I love that you love it. I do. I love it. It's so good. It's so good because I I really do know that you guys are actually all so like touching every piece. I I mean, I know that. I see that. And I would know if you weren't. Oh, yeah. But but it is ironic. And I think it's just funny how like life works because it kind of just pulled you in and I think started with like cute sweats. And I think the fact that you guys do that still, one of the producers on the show was like, oh my God, I just got a favorite daughter hat. I'm so obsessed. I don't even know if I realized it was Aaron. I just love favorite daughter, which is the dream. But yeah, the that's way. exactly what you want. That's what I don't want. want it to be connected no. to us. I mean, no. Because there's a lot of pressure for us to be posting things yes. to get them to sell. Yes. And, you know, not everybody wants to watch a promotional thing on our Instagram mm-hmm. every day. And so finding that balance. Like we wanted to be able to have a life of its own. And there's, I mean, I was in Nashville one time, like a year ago and Simon was like, I think that girl's wearing favorite daughter jeans. And so I looked and I was like, Oh, I think they are. So I go up and I was like, hi, um, where'd you get those jeans? And she looked in, she's like, uh, revolve and like rolled her eyes at me and walked away. And I was like, okay. And I didn't tell her that it was my brand. I was honestly so flattered that she yes. had no idea who I was. That's she just bought a pair of cute jeans. Yes. That's the dream. No, you absolutely want people in the wild to buy it. Seeing it in the wild is the greatest thing ever, by the way. Yeah, like it really is. Someone who doesn't know you, who you didn't like influence to buy. They're just like, no, I love these. I'm buying them. Yeah. Okay. So now let's, let's talk about oversubscribed. So you guys have started to, I guess it started with Bumble probably, right? When you got involved with Mm -hmm. Bumble and, um, started to just kind of put your, I guess, selves into other brands, right? And start to advise, mentor and things like that. And then, Mm -hmm. so tell me sort of a little bit about that process because like what attracted you to like sort of investing and advising and things like that? Yeah. I mean, it was a really long, slow path there because in 2017, um, we we were hired to be on a panel with Whitney Wolf. We'd mm-hmm. never met her before. And we went to New York and we just spoke on a panel with her. I mean, I don't even remember what we talked about, like women in business, something. Yeah. I was like so drunk on Rosé. Um, I actually remember had, that. I remember when you, you did do? that. Yeah, I do. I remember when you did that panel. 100%. It was really fun. I drank a lot before with Whitney. <laughs> Love and, her. She's the best. Uh, she's the best. best. And so we just had this really great vibe with her. And she was sort of launching these new arms of the business, Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz. 
And she just had this outside the box idea and was like, would you guys want to work, come work for me? Like come to Austin, Texas, let's figure something out. And we thought, I mean, that's crazy, but what a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, the company at that point had like 500, no, let me see. It was, it was like worth $500 million or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think about what my numbers are. It was like definitely a very known thing, oh, yeah. but was still sort of like in that like upward trajectory. Yep. And we couldn't believe this opportunity that we had to work with Whitney and also have equity in a tech company. Mm-hmm. Like that had never happened to us before. Yep. So we said yes, even though we didn't have any idea what it entailed. And we really, really focused on it for a couple of years. And that was like really yeah. a primary focus for us. And and it is a little bit when my writing started taking a backseat to um, more business opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was going to take me on a path that, you know, was going to also cause some difficulty in my identity. Cause I'm figuring like, wait a second, I'm not writing. Like, right. is this, you know, where I'm supposed to be going, but, but the opportunity was so great. And so we had such a good time. We learned so much from Winnie and from that process. And then we got brought into this company, the mirror, the workout mirror yep. and had equity in that company. Yep. And so when both of them had these like noisy exits and acquisitions, it put us in this position where we were able to look at a lot of great deals and a lot of companies coming to us, wanting us to invest in their brands. And, you know, we're not, we're not comfortable writing like hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, checks yeah, of on our own. Yeah. So the next logical step was to raise um, a venture firm and um, take investors and then invest through that. And so that's really where it started from. Isn't it so much fun? I love it. Yeah, it is fun. I love it. I mean, I love it's it. It's scary. It's like scary with other people's money, but you it, know. it it is, it is, but it's also fun to have more people at the table and, you know, it's kind of definitely my favorite part of what we, what we do now is the fun because mm-hmm. it's just, it's nice to have your hands in a lot of things, you know, and just, and talk to yeah. other people and learn from other companies and like, I don't know. I love the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So what is next in, I don't believe in over planning anything as I'm sure you don't either, but yeah. like, I feel like right now in this peaceful place that you are, granted, there's a writer's strike, so you have a little more peace than usual. Yeah. But like, what's putting you to sleep and waking you up right now? Like, do you think about like, okay, next this, or I just want to be present in this and just go really deep in what I'm doing and be super happy? It's like, what's the dream right now if there is any? Yeah. I mean, I'm just really trying to be at peace Mm -hmm. with where I'm at and you know, obviously, you know, I really want to be a mom. And so that's really like my next step. So, you know, I've been trying for a few years and it's just been kind of really challenging for us. And so that's, that's kind of like my, where my energy goes is, is like, how do I make that happen and what that looks like? Well, yeah. And, and actually I think, I think sharing that too is incredibly helpful probably for you and also for a lot of women who are I would say at yeah. this point, the majority of women in my life are going through the same, not the same because no one's is the same, but yeah. it's a journey and and not an easy one. So, yeah. And I think it's weird as a woman to, you know, not be, it's not like the popular thing that women would naturally say is like, that's their focus. Like I want to be a mom, you know, because we're so career focused. And the truth is like, that is what I want though. And that's okay. I actually think that's beautiful. No, by the way, it's not an either or. I mean, that said, Serena Williams came out and said something very clear, but that's also after she won. Well, she was, she made a very valid point because I think she's 42 now and pregnant with her second child. And I, what she came out and said is I'm stopping after this. I think it was Wimbledon last year because I'm going to have another child 
And it, what's sad about that is that if I was a man, I wouldn't have to do this right now mm-hmm. because my wife would be home having the child and I could keep playing, right? right? But she's like, but that's a choice that I want to make, right? And mm-hmm. I think I'm like, look, okay, let's look at Serena. I think she's won, what, 75,000 Wimbledons in tournaments. <laughs> like, but at the same time, I do know one thing is for sure is that every everyone's journey to become a mom is different. And, and, and to be honest, very few are, are easy. And I think in my opinion, I mean, that's a really cool choice. That's a, that's a really cool thing to focus on. And yeah. as someone who did it very late in the game, yeah. um, I think, I think no matter how you get there, you get there, right? Yeah. I think, I think that's right. And I think like the gift of getting older is sort of accepting the timeline that you're on and that's accepting true. like the truth of whatever your reality is. And so you know, you can kick and scream and like not want to get older and not want to have kids a certain way or start a family a certain way or have your career a certain way. And like, but you know, you can also just accept the truth and like, you kind of have to, you kind of have to, I think, I think, I really think you kind of have to, because, you know, a very dear friend of mine said, she said something that really, you know, when someone just says something that's seemingly so simple and somehow it changes Mm -hmm. you, a very happy friend of mine, mother of four and very happily married, very nomadic life. And I said, do you have any regrets? And she said, why, why would I have regrets? And I said, what do you mean? She said, it's a waste of time. I said, what do you mean? She said, every second I would waste on regretting something is a waste of the energy that I'm spending now because I can't change it. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't, you can't go back and you literally can't go back. You literally can't go back. And I'm literally, she's like, that's toxic to me. And I was like, shit, she's totally right. Why the hell do I think Mm -hmm. that? Like, I know, you know, so we just like to torture ourselves. We do. I mean, regret is just torturing ourselves. It, regret so, is. And, and I look think, forward. Aaron, here's the thing where everyone sits looking at you or anybody else, it always is a different picture than how we all feel. Right. We all know that that's just who we are. That's just how life is. But at the same time, I feel like your journey may have been a little bit later and getting married or whatever, but ultimately like, you don't know what could have been. Okay, great. You could have gotten married and had kids at 25 and God knows what would have mm-hmm. happened, right? Yep. Now you have all your shit together, all your shits in a row. You're madly mm-hmm. in love. You're happily married and all the things and you're going to have a beautiful family and everything's going to mm-hmm. be, I don't want to say like everything's going to be perfect, but like, it's going to be yours. Yeah. Right. And I really couldn't imagine it happening any other way. Any other way. And that's that why funny? I think like... <laughs> Yeah. I I think when you're younger and you are questioning like why things aren't happening for you, you have to sort of have faith that there's a man that's working in your favor, even if you don't think there are, because the amount of relationships that I like prayed to the God that I like didn't even believe in to like, please let this be the one, like, please (laughs) let me end up with this person. I'll kill myself if I'm not with them. And then like, God didn't give it to me. And I was like, God, fuck? <laughs> and I look back, I'm like, Oh my God, if I had gotten what I wanted, can you imagine? I would be fucked right now. Isn't that Thank crazy? God, I wasn't given what I wanted. I know. I know. I'm yeah, telling you just you, don't even know your own potential. There's a plan, babe, that you don't know about. There's a whole plan happening that you just mm-hmm. don't even know about, but you're living it. And yeah. I love you madly. I'm so happy for your success, honestly. And to me, you've never been the, um, you've never been the the underdog or the black sheep that you consistently felt like to me, you've just been fucking badass Aaron. And I just knew what you were capable of. None of this quite frankly surprises me not to sound like your neurotic Jewish mom, but like none of this shocks me at all, but I'm just excited to continue to watch you do it. 
honestly. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for always being such a good friend. Oh my God. I love you madly. Bye, Rachel. Bye, babes. Bye, cutie. All right, everybody. Each week, I'm going to finish the show with something called Ask Rachel. So let's get right into it and kick off with a very funny question, very ironic question, because my team sort of makes fun of me all the time. They call me a vampire. And this question is, how many hours a night do you sleep? And the funny thing about that is, (laughs) it's a very loaded question. You know, I have a work husband. His name is Matt Walker. And when he first started working with us, he actually texted me and he said, I have a question. He said, do you actually sleep? I'm just trying, or do you just nap? Because I'm trying to figure out because you texted me at 2 a.m. with a work question. Then you responded at 4.30. And then you texted me a new question at 6. And then that same night, you texted me again at like one. He's like, so I'm just wondering, are they like naps or do you sleep consecutive hours? And it's funny because I never really thought about it, to be honest, because I've lived this like insane life as a stylist and really just someone who my whole life really just was never a big sleeper. Um, Always the first one to wake up on sleepovers, always the one waiting for everybody to get up. Um, always being up hours in college. I would still wake up at 6, 7 in the morning after a night out when everyone slept till 2, 3 in the afternoon. My innermost team likes to joke that I sleep literally like a vampire, like or that I just don't because I wake up with like a full face of makeup or eye makeup and like my hair probably has not moved all that much. But I think it's because I... I don't know. I feel like my brain doesn't really shut down, but I do think I'm definitely one of those people that can live on less sleep than most. I think to properly answer the question, I would say between four and five hours a night. I don't think eight hours is in my history of sleeping ever. Maybe when I get to Europe and I'm super jet lagged and you you know, black out the room and you don't know what time it is. But I hate to say that I think my eldest son, Sky, may have inherited that blessing and curse of not needing as much sleep. So I would say that a big part of my life, probably I run on adrenaline and excitement for what I do. But I would say I definitely am not an eight to 10 hour a night sleeper. Have never been, probably will never be. Do you want my help styling your summer? Through Curator, you can sign up to receive boxes curated with my favorite fashion, beauty, and lifestyle products every season, starting with our summer box. Valued at over $400, this customizable collection is available to members for only $125. Plus, when you join this season, I'll send you a very glamorous free gift as my way of welcoming you. Head to curator.com. That's C-U-R. A-T-E-U-R dot com for all the details on this exclusive offer. Thank you so much to Erin for coming on the podcast. I am so incredibly proud of her. I actually really love watching her win. I really love people that work hard 
that don't do things conventionally, don't really follow societal norms just because that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, she's launching an incredible new show on Netflix. She is crushing it with Favorite Daughter, their clothing line, and just launched a new venture capitalist firm called Oversubscribed. Also, she found her Prince Charming, who happens to be one of my favorite guys, Simon Tech. Simon Techman, I shouldn't say. It's so funny. We call people by their Instagram names. Anyway, what else could Erin do? I think she's living her dreams and I loved this episode. So if you want more Climbing in Heels content, follow me on at Rachel Zoe and at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes, and all things Curator. And I'll see you all next week. Mwah. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.